Despite international condemnation and the objection of even Richard Branson, Singapore executed a woman for the first time in 20 years. So what is Singapore's stance on drugs and the death penalty? I'm Aaron Young. We're going to find out. Now from our headquarters at Ticker Park, this is Ticker Today. So Singapore executed a woman for the first time in two decades. The 45-year-old was found guilty of trafficking 30 grams of heroin back in 2018. She is the second drug convict to be executed in just the past week. Singapore has some of the world's toughest anti-drug laws, which it says are necessary to protect its society. Singapore law specifies the death penalty will be imposed on anyone caught trafficking more than 500 grams of cannabis or 15 grams of heroin. For more, let's bring in Ticker's Adam Hancock, who's usually based in Singapore for us. Adam, some really tough, strong measures in Singapore. And despite the objections of people like Sir Richard Branson, we did see this execution of the woman take place on Friday, the first time in 20 years. Yeah, it's uh, it's not uncommon to see executions of prisoners in Singapore. I think last year alone, 11 prisoners were executed. And since uh, executions resumed after the pandemic uh, in March of last year. I think it's now around 15 people uh, have been killed. But this particular case caught the headlines because it was a woman who was executed, uh, something that's incredibly rare in Singapore. I think the last one was around about 20 years ago now. Um, and according to the uh, campaign groups who monitor uh, the situation with the death penalty in Singapore, it was believed that there were only two women um, on death row in Singapore before this execution took place. But I think the fact that it is a woman who has been executed has caught uh, the eye of the international media and international campaign groups. We've had Human Rights Watch, Amnesty International, Richard Branson, as you mentioned, all speaking out, pleading with the government um, to not go ahead with this execution. But as often is the case in these uh, situations in Singapore, when there is a high profile death penalty case, there's plenty of international attention, usually all international outrage, but the government go ahead and carry out the execution anyway. They they don't listen to outside voices when it comes to this issue. They see it as a Singaporean issue, uh, following Singaporean rules, and um, they, they proceed with the execution. What was surprising about this in particular wasn't just the fact that it was the first time in 20 years since a hairdresser was hanged back in 2003 over a similar issue, but it's a hanging. We look at Singapore as a really modern country, but we look at hanging as a really old fashioned way of dealing with an issue. Um, it's kind of at odds with Singapore's reputation as an ultra modern city that is better to live in than Hong Kong. Yeah, it's 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 a strange paradox, really. You know, as you said, it's a very medieval way of, of killing somebody. Uh, it's very extremely barbaric, um, and it's as you said, it's not something that really you associate with Singapore. Obviously, ultra modern, high tech, uh, a business and finance hub. Um, but one thing that you have to really remember about Singapore is it's grown in you know incredibly grown over the last you know, fifty odd years. And a lot of that is because they have extremely strict laws and extremely strict rules. And, you know, they have a society who are very controlled by the law. Uh, there's rules in place for everything. There's very strict punishments uh, for people who break the laws. And I guess this is just an, a, the ultimate example of it, really. It's a, a historical way of um, going about justice. But it's, you know, the ultimate deterrent, as it were, really, you know, the death penalty or that's 
people in favour of the death penalty claim that it is the you know the ultimate deterrent. Critics would would argue against it because people are still committing these crimes even though they do run the risk of being executed. But it certainly, I think, is something that surprises people. A lot of people I speak to aren't aware that Singapore still has the death penalty. And I know Amnesty. I think they were looking at twenty twenty two in which countries still use the death penalty, and it was Saudi Arabia, Iran, China, and Singapore. And on that list, you would perhaps. Imagine that Saudi Arabia and Iran would still be using the death penalty, but I'm sure Singapore is probably a surprise given how modern it is and you know how it engages with other nations. And it's a it's a popular tourist destination as well. Plenty of people have been to or through Singapore, so yeah, it, it is a surprise. Yeah, very much so. But it also must be a sign, given, as you mentioned, that the Singaporean authorities just ignore uh, and any of the objections from Amnesty International, people overseas, even Richard Branson, who has a pretty loud voice on the issue of the death penalty. He mentions it in the United States all the time as well. Um, but they really must have an issue with drugs. Can you talk to us about some of the internal reasons why the Singaporean government just doesn't care what the rest of the world thinks about the death penalty? Yeah, the Singapore authorities, they view it very straightforwardly, really. They they see the death penalty for drug crimes as a deterrent. They think it stops uh, drug tra trafficking. Their, their feeling is very simple, really. If they were to get rid of the death penalty and, and ensure that, you know, people got lighter punishments for smuggling drugs, that that would open the floodgates is something that a term that the government have used in the past, allow plenty of drugs into the country and then all of the societal issues that that would create. Um, they think that having the, the death penalty also ensures the safety of citizens in Singapore by not allowing drugs into the country, not allowing the drug trade to, to, to thrive. Um, so that's really where they stand on it. And they've been asked because other countries nearby in the region, like Malaysia, used to have the death penalty for drug trafficking. They've got rid of it. Um, in Thailand, obviously, cannabis has been decriminalized as well. So there's becoming a much more liberal attitude to drugs in other countries in Southeast Asia, but Singapore really stands alone now as sort of the last bastion of these incredibly strict drug rules. But the government is set in, set in its ways, really. They, they don't bow to international pressure on this. They're prepared to, to give interviews. We've had a number of ministers speaking uh, about this particular case, and they, they're, they're very open in that they, you know, they think this is a policy that works. Um, they they still have broad approval from the general public. They have plenty of. Well, just talk to us about that, that if you can, Adam. Sorry to interrupt. What about the public no approval of this? Usually, when it comes to hardline political things, um, when it comes to uh, policing and law and order, there's usually a political reason for this. Is there much public approval for the death penalty, particularly when it comes to to drug trafficking in Singapore? I would say broadly, yes, in Singapore, there is still plenty of support uh, for the death penalty. It's hard to get a, a completely accurate picture because the polls that are done on this and the, the opinion polls are, are controlled by the government. And, you know, you have to question exactly what people are being asked. Well, that's handy. But I would it? say there's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a, yeah, extremely useful when you're trying to judge the situation. Uh, but I would say, broadly speaking, there's still a level of support for it. Um, there is a growing um, group of people who are against the death penalty and calling for it to be repelled, and they're quite vocal on social media. And there was a protest, actually, uh, I think it was two years ago now, there was quite a famous case that got a lot of international attention um, about a young man who was uh, classified as being intellectually disabled, uh, but he was still executed. And there was a lot of outrage about that case, and there was even a protest within Singapore, which is, uh, it's not banned, you are allowed to protest, but it's very controlled 
how that how those mm. protests take place and there was a protest so it felt like at that time there was a movement coming forward but it's certainly not a movement that is going to change the government's opinion on this right now or doesn't seem to be anyway I think a lot of Australians will remember back in 2005 when Van Nguyen, uh, who was a Vietnamese national who lived in Melbourne, Australia, I think he may have been from Vietnam, but may have been an Australian national, actually. Uh, he was hanged in Singapore, uh, having been found on his way through Changi Airport uh, with drugs as well. And there was huge outrage from the Australian government and a lot of pressure placed on Singapore. And yet still in 2005, he was hanged. That is despite the great relationship between the Australian government and the Singaporean government who even do military exercises together. It's a sign that it doesn't matter whether you're a foreigner or a local resident in Singapore, they really take this seriously. Yeah, yeah, the rules apply to everyone. And I, I think that's, you know, the Singapore government's point. If they, if they make an exception because of a relationship or because somebody is a foreign national, then you could argue that they could make an exception for everyone. So it's one rule for one and one rule for all, really, is the way that they view it. And they have been those high, those high profile cases. Um, I think that actually the case I was mentioning there with the um, intellectually disabled man uh, a couple of years ago, he was actually a Malaysian national. And of course, it's a you know, fairly interesting relationship, shall we say, between Singapore and Malaysia. They're very close in one way, but also rivals in the other. But again, even despite the Malaysian prime minister at the time asking for, for uh, clemency, really, for this man, uh, it wasn't granted. So Singapore views views these cases as a Singapore issue and, and they deal it with deal with it themselves. All right, ticker correspondent Adam Hancock there. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Aaron. And that is the program for now. For more you can head to tickernews.co. See you soon.